Now you know a little bit of the story of Amazing Grace and how John Newton was inspired. But also, not just with Amazing Grace, but that artist who was painting that is actually colorblind. And so it makes it even that much more beautiful of a painting or that much more amazing for someone to do something like that. And, and I thought, you know, as we talk about an inspired life and being inspired by something, did you know that every single one of us is inspired by something to do what we do? Some of us are inspired by a paycheck. That's why we go to work. Some of us are inspired to buy something. That's why we work. We're inspired maybe by a musician. That's why we sing or that's why we play or that's why we have a certain gift because someone inspires us. For some of us, we're inspired by other people because of what they have done or who they are, and so we're inspired. Growing up, we're inspired by different things. Sometimes music inspires us, an actress or an actor or, or some famous person. Uh, sometimes we're inspired by cartoons or your favorite you know, sports team. In fact, when I was growing up, my, my favorite cartoons that inspired me was Transformers, Thundercats, he-Man and Super Friends. So that was my, I love those cartoons. That's, those cartoons inspired me. And so when you'd watch these cartoons, you would do what they did. If you grew up with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you were cutting everything in the home. You would grab swords and you would bust everything up. If you were inspired by Superman, you would put the towel around your neck and then you would jump off the car or the roof. And that inspired you. <laughs> so I don't know what we were learning while we were growing up. But Sports, I had some football teams that I liked. I really don't have a favorite football team, but I like these teams. And when I was growing up, it was the Detroit Lions. No fans here. Because they had the lion as their, you know, as their team mascot or their logo. The other team was the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, I know there's some fans uh, because of uh, Terry Bradshaw and Lynn Swan. So that, you know, I like that team. And then believe it or not, Heidi's going to love me on this one. It actually was the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, I know. I, I know. I know. <clears throat> She's a Redskins fan. Anyway, so. <laughs> but, and, and I like these teams, not because I, I knew they were good or not. I just, they inspired me. Whether it was, you know, the way their uniforms were or their logo or whatever it was. But that inspired me. And then, of course, basketball. Michael Jordan was someone who inspires many people. So we have people that inspire us. And then I thought, wait a minute. If there are outside sources to influence my internal life, then there must be something more that inspires me than temporary things. There must be more to people or, or things or cartoons that should inspire my life. Because this is what I've learned, and I think many of us are learning this and have learned this, that it doesn't matter what inspires you, because when life hits, as great as Superman is, or your favorite team, or this person or that person, when life hits, something must be greater than what inspires you. What's going to help my marriage? What's going to help my finances? What's going to help my family? There must be something greater than what inspires me with just people, product, commodities, or even the media. We're all influenced by something. That word to inspire means to be motivated. What are you motivated by? What motivates you every day? What gets you up in the morning? For some of you, you're motivated by your children. You want to do well for your children. 
for your family. You want to do well for your company or even for yourself. You want to do well in life. But sooner or later, that's not going to be able to sustain the life that we live in this world. We can only go so far with certain things that influence us. We can only make it so far with the things that influence us in this world because it's temporary. Did you know that God wants to be the very one that inspires your life? That's what He says in His Word. If you take out your bulletin, there's some notes in there, and I want to read the first scripture. It's in the book of Isaiah. And God is going to show us what His promises are for us. We're all inspired by something. And this is how God says it in Isaiah 46, verse 4. He says this, and this is His promise. He says, I will be your God throughout your lifetime. So He's not just here for a moment and then gone. He doesn't just come into our life for a season and then inspires us until we get better. He says, no, I will be with you through your hard times and through your good times. I will be your God throughout your whole entire life. And then he says, until your hair is white with age. I have four white hairs that I keep so dear to my heart because I need it. That's, the Bible says that's the glory of God and the wisdom of God. So I have four from God. I, I'm doing okay. I'm getting there. Some of us, our wisdom fell off, but it's still in our hearts. <laughs> then he continues. He says, I made you and I will care for you. That's the promise from God. He says, I will carry you along and save you. As much inspiration that we get from the world, from people, from books, it doesn't save us. God is the one who saves us. But why is a God-inspired life so important to talk about? Do I want to live a God-inspired life? And what does that look like? What does a God-inspired life look like? Does that mean I become religious? Does that mean I have to attend church every single day? What, what does that mean to live a God-inspired life? Well, we're going to look at three key principles on living a God-inspired life and why it's so important. And the first thing we got to start off with, and you can write this in, is to let God's love inspire me. Let God's love inspire me. If we don't let God's love inspire us, then we'll miss it. We'll do religious things, forgetting why we do what we do. It must start with the love of God. See, when God's love inspires me, then I listen to Him. I follow Him. I obey Him because I love Him. That's what His love does for us. 1 John 2.5, it says, But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love Him. That is how we know we are living in Him. See, it's our obedience to God. Our obedience to God truly shows our love for God. It truly shows our love for God. It's our obedience to Him. Because every minor adjustment makes a major difference in our lives. Every minor adjustment. When it's done with the love of God and for God, it makes a major adjustment. See, the smallest changes can make the biggest differences. The smallest changes. That's why even as husband and wife, when we make small changes, our spouse, our family, they recognize it. They may not tell you, but small changes matter. That's why God says, you start with my love because it's out of your love for me that obedience will come in. When Heidi and I met, you know, and when I met Heidi, I fell in love. And so... I, when, when, I, when I met her and I fell in love and we would go out on a date, I would make sure I took a shower. 
I would make sure I wore nice clothes. And if she said, I like that shirt, then I would use the shirt she liked most of the time. And then I would sneak into my brother's room because he's older than me, and I would put on brute cologne. You know, just put on some brute. And then I would put double mint gum in my mouth to make sure I had fresh breath. So there were certain things I did because of my love for Heidi that I normally wouldn't do. Of course I would bathe. But it's not like I would, I would get ready, how I would get ready to be with Heidi, to play outside with my friends. Sometimes I would play outside with my friends. I didn't brush my teeth. They wake up Saturday morning and they would say, come play outside. Okay. You run outside. Your mom yelling at you, brush your teeth. I did already. No, you didn't. There's a different love when you want to play outside than when you fall in love with someone. And that's how it is with God. I brush my teeth now. I'm just letting you know that. I, when you fall in love with God, you do things that you normally wouldn't do otherwise. It's because of love that we have for God. So now when He asks us to do something, it's not that difficult. Yeah, there's some difficulties, but it's not as hard when you love God. Sometimes I hear people saying, it's so hard to obey God. It's such a burden to obey Him. That my thought is this, do you love Him? Because when you love someone, it's not that much of a chore. It's not that burdensome. Fall in love with God. Start with that. When someone inspires you, boy, it, it, it just does something in us that we wouldn't, that we do things that we would normally not do. It's because of love. When we think about how much God loves us, it should inspire us to do the things that He says for us to do, not the things that we want to do on our own. His love should inspire us to obey His ways. Here's how 1 John 5, 3 puts it. It says, For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. That's what the Bible is telling us. When we're living a God-inspired life, we understand that what He asks of us is not a burden because of our love for Him. When God says for me to do something, yeah, it can be a little difficult because of our flesh nature. You know, we still have our flesh attached to us. But then when God says, out of love, do this, it's not that burdensome. Because of love. Start with the love of God. Because it's out of that where everything will flourish and thrive. The second thing is to stay connected to God. Easy for us to stray from God. We, we naturally, like driving, will veer off the road if not hanging on to the steering wheel. If you let go of the steering wheel, the car will still go, but you'll go astray from the road. That's why it's so important to stay connected to God, to stay close to Him, to stay connected to the body of Christ. Why? Because God says, if not, you will go astray quickly. When He speaks, it'll be fuzzy. We won't understand what He's trying to say. We'll, we'll go through confusion. We'll have a difficulty hearing Him. That's why we always talk about doing devotions. Now, some of you are wondering, what does that mean? What is devotions? We call it devotions because we devote a certain time of the day to read the Word of God, to get into the Word of God, and to pray, and to journal. We write down things. Because when you write something down, you retain it more. And you can always go back in your journal and view or review what God was doing. Sometimes there's an answered prayer, and so it builds your faith. And so that's what we do. We do this thing called devotions. In our bookstore, we have some devotions. You can pick up a journal, uh, maybe a Bible, and then you can read along uh, with a bookmarker. We use a bookmarker because it takes us through the entire Bible within one year. 
and you read certain chapters. Some people say, that's too much reading. It's like 25 minutes of reading. I'm thinking, 25 minutes? You go on Facebook for three hours. 25 minutes for the investment of your soul? It's not that much time. 25 minutes is a sitcom that we watch. 25 minutes is, is a, the amount of commercials we watch. 25 minutes is probably the least amount of time we check email. So 25 minutes to invest in the Lord who saved us? It's not that big of a deal. And so we go through the entire Bible. Some people ask, well, what if I read other devotionals? What if I have like a devotional Bible and, and it gives me a scripture and a commentator or someone's devotion that they read and they give a story and there's a scripture? Is that okay? What about uh, other devotionals or daily bread? I read that. Is that okay? Absolutely. Because you're getting the word of God in your soul. Here's what I would encourage you also. When you're maturing in the Lord, what actually happens is you start, to tent, you start to drift more towards God's Word and less towards what other people say. You go more towards the Bible because devotions are great. You can read what other people are saying and then it helps us to get on board with what God is saying and it helps us to get the context of a scripture. So it does help. But like the Bible says, I, I, I drink milk for a little while as a baby. But then as I grow up, I start to eat solid food. Solid food are for the mature, the Bible says, who because of practice have been able to uh, discipline and, and gain their senses so that they know what they're reading, so that the Word of God becomes alive. That we put into practice what God is saying. And so we mature. And so I would suggest, yes, you can start off with that as a new believer, and then as you grow in the Lord, then get into the Word of God. Well, I do, but when I read, I don't understand everything. Neither do I. So I have to study up on it. There's a difference between doing your devotions and studying the Bible. Doing your devotions, you're actually allowing the Bible to study you. So when you're reading, a scripture might pop out, and you might say, oh boy, that speaks to me. That's the one you write down may just be one scripture. Well, I don't understand the rest. It's okay. God's speaking something. But if I want to study something else, then I study that passage. And I can do that at a later time, apart from my devotions and my, my time with the Lord. Now I'll study that part so I can learn. And so that's what we'll do. We use the bookmarker so that we all are on the same page, so that if I'm learning something, you're learning something, we come together and we share. We've learned two things. Sometimes Heidi and I will do devotion separate, but we'll come together and then we'll share. She learns something, I learn something, but together we learn two things. So that's why we read the bookmark together. And, and if, that's, if you want to be on board, that's great. But get into the Word of God. I use the acrostic SOAP, S-O-A-P. And that's what I use to journal. S for the scripture that speaks to me. O for the observation or what I observe in that scripture. A, for the application that I'm going to put into my life. And then the P, for prayer, what I'm praying about. It's the scripture, the observation, the application, and then the prayer. And if you go online to newhopehilo.org, then you can click our resource section, go to online devotions, and it'll take you to a website that has our uh, daily Bible reading. And then it'll teach you how to do the acrostic S-O-A-P. So there's ways of doing it. Some of you, you like writing. I would do that every once in a while, write in a journal. But then I was carrying all these journals and all these other things, so now I use my iPad, I'll write in that. So I change it up every now and then, depends on the season that I'm in. 
Some of you will use an online uh, Bible reading program like YouVersion, Y-O-U-V-E-R-S-I-O-N.com, and you sign up, and then you click along with our bookmarker, the Life Journal Reading Plan, and then you read with that and you journal in there. So everyone does it different. The main thing is the Bible, the Word of God. There's other books that are out there, other devotionals that will help, but nothing else is inspired like the Word of God. So that's what we want to stay close to. That's why God says, stay connected to me. It's in His Word. John says it like this, John fifteen five. It says, yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Let's read this together. Ready? Go. For apart from me, you can do nothing. That word nothing is the Greek word O. And it means no. The absolute negative. Which means, apart from God, you can't get any lower than that. That's what it's saying. When we're not connected to God, we can't get any lower than that. But with God, He takes us to higher heights. He, he grows us from glory to glory, and He improves our lives from glory to glory. This is where God inspires us to be a better husband, a better boss, a better wife, a better single person, a better mom or dad, better child. This is where God inspires us. It's through His Word. What you do makes a difference. So you must decide what difference you're going to make. Every decision we make makes a difference. So we must decide what difference we're going to make. Stay connected with God. He wants us to be on His team. That's why He does what He does. That's why He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. You know, some of us played this game when we were young. It was called, I think it's called Red Rover. That's what we used to say. Red Rover, Red Rover, send Sheldon right over. What you would do is you would have one line of kids on one side, one line of kids on the other side. You would hold hands. Talk about a free game. You didn't have to pay for this. And basically what had to happen is if you wanted someone on your team, you would tell them to send that person over. The only way they could get on your team is if they broke through the arms, you know, if you let go or, or they released you. And sometimes the girls would say, Red Rover, Red Rover, send Tony right over. And then he would run over and then they would let go hands so they could hold his hand kind of thing. And so, and, and I thought that's, that's, that's the whole part of the game. You're trying to disconnect so you can stay on that team. How safe was that? Think about it. This is a game we played in elementary school. Like, okay, you're going to run onto the other side. They're going to clothesline you. And if you don't break their arms, you're on their team. No mouthpiece, no headgear, no, no pads or anything. But that's what the game was all about. That's why you had to stay connected so that they didn't break apart your team. And I thought, how many of us are connected with God so much that the devil cannot come on this side? Are we, are we connected with God enough that He can't break through? Are we connected with God? It's the Word of God that connects us. He's the vine, we're the branches. Apart from Him, that's as low as we can get. Be in the Word of God. Stay connected to Him. Well, how do we know what it means to live a life that is inspired by God. Because what if what I'm about to do feels good? What if it sounds good? What if it looks good? Is this a way to indicate inspiration from God? 
Now think about it. If we based a, a God-inspired life off of those definitions, then why is it when I say something in anger, which feels good, sometimes I regret it later? feels good at the time, but ruins my heart and my relationships. Or a business deal that I want to make looks good, but in the end, I find I made a poor investment. Or something that feels good, but rips apart my marriage in the long run. See, the reason why these definitions are not the best definitions on living a God-inspired life is because our feelings change. Things change in the way they look. And what people say and what sounds good now may not sound good later. Those things change, but there's only one thing that never changes, and that's what God says. What He said in His Word, He's still saying. What He did in the past, He's still doing. God never changes. 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. That's the Word of God. It inspires us to do what is right. But it also teaches us to help us. That's why when we make mistakes, God gives us grace because He's teaching us. He's helping us. He wants to inspire us. Now, if God's Word, if all Scripture is inspired by God, don't you think it would be beneficial for us to be in the Word of God? If we want to live a God-inspired life, and if the Word of God is inspired, then why wouldn't I want to be in the Word of God? That's what will inspire me. And the closer you get to know God, the closer you know God, the closer you get to know who He is, the more you will understand yourself. The more you understand your Creator, the more you will understand why you were created. Sometimes we forget who created us. We get lost in this world, and then now we put our securities into other things. We put our securities in the world. We put our securities in our finances. We put our securities in our marriage, in our spouse, in someone else. And so we find our security in things. Because we've forgotten who our Creator is, or we don't know God. So the Word of God helps us to get to know Him when we're connected with Him. We get to know Him more, and when we get to know Him more, we get to know ourselves more. That's why many of us are insecure, because we don't know God. We know about God, but we don't know God. That's why your third point, you can write this in, is to find my security in the Lord. That's where our security should come from. It should come from the Lord. That's where we find our security. There's a man by the name of Moses who struggled with his security. Moses was the one who led Israel out of Egypt. Remember, they were enslaved by the Egyptians. He led them out of Israel into the promised land. Now, he didn't enter the promised land. His successor did, Joshua. Joshua took them into the promised land. But Moses struggled before that. He struggled with his identity. When the Hebrews, the, the children of God, when they were becoming a numerous people, they were thriving in the land of Egypt. They were doing very well. But then as they continued to grow, then the Pharaoh of Egypt, the king of Egypt, he started to notice that. And he said, wait a minute, if they grow numerous, and if they grow stronger, 
then they might rebel against us and they'll take over the land. So what Pharaoh said was, let's destroy all the Hebrew children. Once the women give birth, take the children away and destroy them. Go kill the kids. That's what Pharaoh said. Well, Moses' mother hid Moses. Remember, she put a basket and then she, she put some pitch and some tar to keep it waterproof. And then she put Moses in the basket. And then she sent Moses down the Nile River to where the daughter of Pharaoh would be getting ready. And so Moses was going down the river and here comes Pharaoh's daughter, sees the basket and picks it up and finds that there is a Hebrew child in there. Because of her heart for this little baby, she said, I'm going to take care of this baby. So now Moses grows up in an Egyptian rule, in an Egyptian environment, under royalty. Even though he was born a slave, he grew up with royalty. So as Moses continues to grow up, he now struggles with his identity. He's saying, wait a minute, I, I'm, not, I'm not an Egyptian. I'm a child of the Hebrew nation. So I, I have to choose who, who am I going to identify with. Am I going to identify with who God made me to be? Or am I going to identify with the riches of the world? Am I going to identify with that which is comfortable? Or am I going to identify with my, who my Creator made me to be? And he struggled with that. He had to make a, a difficult decision. But then Moses chose to follow God. He says, I know where my security is. It is in God. And that's who I'm going to follow. Now, because of that, because of his, his decision to follow God, now he has this separation with the Egyptians. And now Moses is kind of like on his own as far as he has to make some critical decisions now to lead the Hebrew nation. But God chose him to do so. But he struggled with it. But he found his security in the Lord. Many of us struggle with that. Are we going to identify with the Lord or are we going to identify with the world? Am I going to identify with my new life in Jesus or am I going to identify with my old life in the world? A God-inspired life says, I'm going to find my identity in the Lord. That's who's going to inspire me. That's where my security comes in. For some of us, stress and manipulation comes from not knowing who we are. So we're manipulated by others. We take on stress by others. We put stress on ourselves because we don't even know who we are. So because we don't know who we are, other people make us who they want who who they want us to be. I live for others. I live to please others. I live for the expectations of others. You live for the approval of others, the fear of rejection by others because you don't know who you are. We live to please people and, and we become what our spouse wants us to be, what our parents want us to be. We become what our children want us to be. We become everything other people want us to be except who God wants us to be. And so we're so confused, we don't know what to do. And God says, you got to stop. Find your security in me. Start there. Because I want to be your inspiration. This is what happened with Moses in Hebrews 11, 24 through 26. It says that it was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt. 
for he was looking ahead to his great reward. When you listen to God, he'll reward you. When you pine for Egypt, the old days, you suffer the consequences. I'd rather suffer for God with the rewards that he has than to suffer for the world whose rewards are temporary. And Moses made that decision. He said, no, I'm going to suffer for the cause of God, for the sake of Christ. I'm going to do the things that God has called me to do. I'm going to suffer either way. But I'd rather suffer according to the will of God. Did you know that when you make this decision, you will lose friends? You may even lose family because you're finding your security in the Lord. People will say things. People will will stop calling you. They won't have anything to do with you. But that shouldn't manipulate us. It should be that we find our security in the Lord. See, once we forget who we are, then we make decisions based on what other people want, not what God wants. When you forget who we are, then really we we make decisions that, that we normally wouldn't make. And we're not even happy with the decisions we make that other people want us to make. That's why we got to remember who we are in the Lord. Once we forget, major decisions will be major mistakes. In uh, elementary school, there is a monkey bar. You know, you have this just this amazing architectural design of a pipe that you had more pipes and that you'd grab these pipes and then you would swing and then, you know, like a monkey, you'd go on these monkey bars. Well, there was a challenge that everyone was doing and they wanted to see who could jump to the farthest bar. And so I saw this crowd of kids and they were jumping and, and you know, being Niele and as prideful as I wanted to be, I was Niele about, okay, what are they doing? Or I was nosy about, what are they doing? And so they said, oh, you got to check this out. They're seeing who can jump the farthest. And I thought, I'll like try. So I did. I went on the thing and I jumped and I think it was around the fifth bar. And everyone was jumping to the fifth bar. And I thought, I want to beat the person who jumps to the fifth bar. He's just in me, competitive spirit. So I jumped to the sixth bar, and everybody's like, oh, yeah. I was like, yeah. Man, I can do this. And then everybody was like, oh, and nobody could jump to the sixth bar. And then I felt, I want to try and beat myself. Let's see if I can jump farther than the sixth bar. And so, you know, you pick up the dirt, you get your hands all ready, you know. Now they have more cleaner things and more healthier ways of doing that. It's called powder. We put that, but we'd put dirt on our hands, spit and all, <laughs> spit on your hands. So gross, amazing. And so then I, would, I jumped to the seventh bar, and I don't remember anything after that. All I remember doing was waking up in my grandmother's house throwing up. I was throwing up and throwing up, and I didn't have any idea what happened. And then but when I went back to school, my friends were telling me, he's like, oh, 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 man, you almost died. You almost died. And I said, what happened? He said, you, you tried to jump to the seventh bar. You grabbed it, but then you let go when you swung up. And then you landed on your head, and there was like a little rock that popped up. And so I, I hit the back of my head, and I lost my memory that day. They said, you're staggering around, you're asking everybody, who am I? And you're pointing to people laughing, and and you didn't even know what you were doing. You're saying weird stuff, you're acting weird, but you didn't know who you were. Then I went to the health room, and, and then I guess somebody picked me up, and my uncle maybe took me home, and I was sick to my stomach. And then I thought, 
when we forget who we are, we're, we're sick to our stomach. That's how it makes us feel. When we forget our identity in the Lord and who He created us to be, it makes us sick to our stomach. And we don't even realize that we live this life being sick to our stomach. That's why sometimes we're not satisfied with life. The paycheck just doesn't do it. The job just doesn't do it. We can only be inspired so far in this life. But when we find our security in the Lord, oh boy, that's satisfying. Because He created us for a purpose. You know, you can forget an appointment. You can forget where you put something. But forgetting who you are, that's where we run into trouble. God says, don't forget who you are. Find your security in me. Otherwise, we'll become everything everybody else wants us to be. And I thought, wait a minute. Okay, so if I want to live a God-inspired life, yes, I can do these things. But is there anybody in this life that I can model my life after? I mean, if, if people are, 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 are making mistakes, they, they, uh, they're frail or fragile or we're sinners, we can't live this perfect life, then give me somebody to model my life after. Is there anybody that I can find to model my life after? There is. There's one person. And his name is Jesus. That's the one person that will inspire us like nobody else can. If you live your life in such a way that Jesus inspires you, you will be living a God-inspired life. He's the one who paid the price so that we could live this God-inspired life. See, Jesus found his security in his Father. Look at what John eight fourteen says, our final scripture. Jesus says this, For I know where I came from and where I am going, but you... You don't know this about me. You know what Jesus was saying? I'm secure in who I am because I know where I came from and I know exactly where I'm going. But he's saying this to us. You don't know this about me. Get to know Jesus. When you get to know Jesus, then you'll know where you came from, who created you. You'll know where you'll be heading in life, not leaving it up to chance. Then you will know yourself very well. Then you'll let God change you, not people. I want to encourage all of us, live a God-inspired life. Let God do His greatest work in you. He'll use you to inspire others because it all comes down to God, people, and changed lives. Amen? And put away your Bibles and your notes. I want to close with this story. It's a story about Babe Ruth. And some of you are are baseball fans. You love the sport. But in this season, Babe Ruth at that time had hit 714 home runs during his baseball career. 714. But at this moment, he was playing one of his last full major league games. It was the Braves versus the Reds in Cincinnati. But... The great Babe Ruth was no longer agile as he was before. He wasn't the sharp thinker as he was before. He fumbled the ball, threw badly. And in one inning alone, one of his errors caused, and a couple of his errors caused most of the five runs scored by the opposing team. Well, as the Babe walked off the field, 
After the third out, he headed toward the dugout and a, a crescendo of yelling and booing accompanied his exit. But just then, a little boy jumped over the fence, ran onto the playing field with tears streaming down his eyes. He ran up to the babe, threw his arms around his leg, and just held it. Without hesitating, Babe Ruth picked up this little child and just hugged him and then put him back down, patted him on the head, and then headed off into the dugout. It was at that moment that the, that the jeers and the booing subsided. And then there was dead silence. And the people found two heroes that day. One was Babe Ruth, that despite his failures, despite his mistakes and his errors, found enough in himself to pick up this little child and embrace him and to make that little child feel like the most important person in the world. The second person that the people noticed was that this little child, that even though the babe made many mistakes, even though he had some errors and even though he didn't do well as, as well as he would have hoped, this little child still saw the babe as his hero. And this child was not going to let his mistakes ruin how much the babe inspired him to be the person that he knew he could be. Your life and my life are full of mistakes, full of errors. We make, we make bad calls here and there. We, we fumble here and there. But this is what Jesus does as we're exiting the field of life and when we come home from work or, or when we're coming home to our family or when someone puts us down or we, or we make a mistake, as we're leaving that situation, Jesus was the one who leapt over the fence of eternity onto this playing field we call temporary, embraced us, and said, I am willing to die for you because he believes in us. But he wants to know, do we still believe in him? Is he going to be our inspiration? Is God going to inspire us? And will we be the people who live a God-inspired life? That's the question I want to leave with you. Would you pray with me? Would you bow your heads? Lord, we all need to make decisions today. Every day we make decisions. But today, Lord, we want to make the decision to live a God-inspired life. Sure, there will be other things that come in that will encourage us. But everything should lead back to you. You're the one inspiring us. Your spirit should inspire us. And then for us to discern and differentiate between what is not of you and what is of you. And the only way we'll know that is when we're connected to you, when we're connected to your word. That we would start with your love. That our security would be in you. Lord, we're going to pray this prayer and, and, and I'll say the words, but I pray that every one of us would just add in the heart. And here's the prayer. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Forgive me of my sins. 
and wash me clean. Make me brand new. I desire to be the person that you created me to be. And so I give my life to you. Thank you for inspiring me. I want to live a God-inspired life. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed and eyes closed, if, if you're here this morning and, and you gave Jesus your heart for the very first time and, and you're saying that I want to give my life to Jesus Christ, and if you just said that prayer for the first time in giving your heart to Jesus, could you just lift a hand? I want to pray for you. And God's blessing over you. Go ahead. Just lift your hand. Good. Yes, God bless you. God sees your hand. God sees your hand back there. God bless you. You said yes to Jesus. Good. Over here. God bless you. God bless you. You over here. Back there. God sees your hand right there. God bless you. Anyone else? You're saying yes to Jesus. Okay. You can put your hands down. How many of us as Christians, we... We're saying, boy, I, I want to stay connected to God. And, and maybe I've strayed a little. Or, or, or maybe your heart this morning is to say, I want to kind of up the, the level of my life. I want to do better. I want to live a God-inspired life so that I can inspire other people to do the same. And if that's you, would you lift the hand? And you're saying, I'm a Christian. I want to live a life for God. Good. Lord, you see our hands. You can put your hands down now. Lord, you see our hearts and our hands. I pray for all of us this morning that we would live this life for you. I pray for strength and the ability for us to be the kinds of people that live a God-inspired life, that you would be our inspiration. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your love. Thank you that we can find our security in you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And every single person said, Amen.